Well, good morning. My least favorite day of all the year with losing hours worth of sleep. Everybody looks pretty bright-eyed for losing hours of sleep. If you would, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. That's where we're studying from this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord together. Our Father, how thankful we are for this morning that you've given to us, the day that you've appointed that we can meet together and worship you. And Father, I pray that you would enable us to do that this morning, to worship you. How I beg of you that you not let us just go through the motions of religion and play at church. But Father, that you'd speak to us through your word, that you'd open our ears, that you'd lay open our heart and enable us to hear and believe the things that you have prepared for us today to hear from your word and that we might worship in awe and wonder, bow at your feet and worship. That someone is as amazing holy and reverend and high and lifted up as you are would do something so amazing for low down wretched vile sinners such as we are how could we not worship you how could we not thank you father bless us as we look into your word we pray bless our children's classes right now they're going on father how we thank you for all these little ones that you've given to us Father, I pray for them. I pray you'd protect their their minds and their bodies from this world in which they are forced to grow up. And Father, above all, that you'd be, be pleased to be merciful to their souls. That you'd be pleased to reveal Christ to them. Father, cause us to, to be faithful, to teach Christ to them. We pray for their teachers at, the, at this time and also for us, Father, that we might be faithful witnesses of Christ to them, to them and to all the lost that you might might bring our way. And Father, we dare not forget to pray for those that you brought in the time of trouble and trial. There's so many right now, many in deep waters with various sicknesses and heartaches. There's so many. Father, we're glad that none of these cases are too hard for thee. And that's why we hold our loved ones, those from this congregation and other places, that's why we hold them up to thee. Thou art able. Father, we pray that your hand of healing, comfort be upon them, that you give them a special portion of your presence at this time of of difficulty that you've ordained for them. All these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Well, I've titled our lesson this morning, Don't Forget. And we're going to be reviewing some things this morning, some things that we ought to remember. I want us to remember where we were when God found us. I want us to remember what we were when God found us, what we, what we are by nature. I also want us to remember this. If you're a believer, you are where you are now. Only by God's grace, aren't you? That, that's the three things I want us to get from, from the lesson this morning. You know, if you know God now, the only reason that you know him is God's been pleased to reveal himself to you. It's the only reason. We didn't figure him out. God revealed himself to us. 
If you believe on Christ now, the only reason you believe Him is because God's been pleased to give you faith in Christ. If you know anything about any truth, anything whatsoever about God's Word, the only reason you know it is God's been pleased to teach it to you. That's right, isn't it? And remembering these basic truths. Now, I mean, it's good to, to know and, and remember these basic truths. But more than just a head knowledge, really knowing these basic truths, where we were when God found us, what we were when God found us, and what God's been pleased to do for us by His grace, you know, that'll keep us humble, won't it? And that's the only right attitude that a sinner saved by grace can have. A humble, thankful attitude. So number one, don't forget what you were when God found you. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, Wherefore remember, now remember this, that ye being in time, time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Now Paul says, you remember this, you were a Gentile. Now he means more there than just not being a Jew. Every believer here is still Gentile in, in that way, aren't they? That you're not Jewish. The word means pagan. And that's what Paul, he's not talk, talking about your nationality. The word means a pagan. This is where you were when God found you. You were an idolater. Even somebody raised right here under the sound of the gospel. You didn't believe it. You were an idolater. Wherever it is God found you, you are an idolater. You are worshiping the God of your imagination. And you're worshiping the God that we make up in our dead mind leads people to do bad things. We're so twisted. We make up this God of our imagination. We say we're worshiping Him. And we convince ourselves that it's an honor for a family. It's an honor for a young girl. She's, she's, she's young, so we know she's a virgin. And we tell her, we convince her, we convince her family, you know, it's an honor that if we take you and kill you. But maybe we throw you off a, off a cliff. I saw that down in Mexico. There was a, they had what they call cenotes. There's just bodies of water just pop up out of the earth, you know, for just, they're all over the place down there. And they're all clear. They're blue or they're just, they're beautiful colors. Except for one. It was it had like algae in it. And I thought, that's weird. And Cody said, you know why this is the only snow tail you can find that's got algae in it? This is what they think. They killed so many children there. So many young girls there. Threw them off and drowned them down in that water. They, they plugged it up. Because all the, the, that land down there is all rock. It's kind of like Swiss cheese. That water is clear because it's just flowing under the ground. It's, but this one place... Cody said, it's blocked up from all the people that they killed. And those people thought it was an honor. You sacrifice me like in, in the rain god or whatever, you know, will send rain. Now that's shameful. Isn't that shameful? That's our nature. We don't have any, any, any reason to look down those, those Mayans, those Aztecs. That's our nature too. Now that's what we were when God found us. We're Gentiles. And you know the Gentiles were uncircumcised. The Jews were circumcised. They had that outward token of God's covenant with Abraham. And it was such an insult for a Jew. This is the worst insult they could think of. To call a person uncircumcised. It's the worst thing that they could think of. Remember when David came down there and he saw Goliath defying the armies of God, his brothers, and everybody else was afraid to go out and meet Goliath, remember? 
And David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And he's talking to Saul, telling Saul, King Saul, and I'm going to go down there. He's, I'm going I'm to take my little shepherd's bag with some stones in it, my sling. I'm going to go kill that fellow. And Saul said, No, you know, these, these mighty warriors here, I, I'm not so sure about this, David. David told the king, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. <laughs> because he's defied the, the living God. Calling Goliath uncircumcised. That was the worst insult David could think of to call anybody. And that's what we are by nature. Pagans. Just idolaters. And if you're a believer now, why are you? Why aren't you still an idolater? It's because God's grace to you. It's the only, it's the only reason. See, we have to depend solely on God's grace to us. We have to depend solely on God's grace to save us and God's grace to keep us. Because pagans like us don't have any ability to do any good work that would please God. We're not even trying to please God. We're trying to please the God of our imagination, not the true living God. So if we're going to be saved. It's got to be by grace, doesn't it? It's got to be. Now, Paul here talks about the circumcision. And the uncircumcision. What the Jews used those two words to mean was the impure and the pure. Now we're the circumcision. We are the uncircumcision by nature. But what if? What if you were what they called the circumcision? What if you were a natural born Jew? That was your nationality. To be a Jewish person. Did that make you any better than the Gentiles? No it didn't. Now, let me make a point here that that, uh, that probably doesn't mean anything to anybody here because, you know, we're, we're all Gentiles. It's a, there's not a difference between Jew and Gentile anymore. But So let me bring this right down to where you and I live. What if you were raised knowing the right doctrine? You could, you could call yourself the circumcision in that way. You knew the right doctrine. You knew the, the, God's covenant of grace. You knew the five points of Calvinism. You even observed some of the right ceremonies. The bread and the wine at the Lord's table. The waters of baptism. You observe some of the right, right ceremonies. You knew the right doctrines. That didn't do you any good either, did it? It didn't do you any good. Brother Henry said you're better off, but not better. Not better. See, knowing the right doctrine and, and knowing the, the right uh, the ceremonies to go through. That's the circumcision, Paul says, made by hands. It's an outward thing. It's a, it's a fleshly thing. It's just an outward fleshly religion. And that doesn't do your soul any good either. Just be very careful of this. I can't stress the importance of knowing the right doctrine. It's just, it's so important. But don't make knowing right doctrine an idol. Knowing right doctrine is not what saves you. Now, we need to know right doctrine. We need to know the right teaching of who Christ is. But knowing right doctrine is not going to save you. Knowing Christ is what saves. Christ is who saves. And like I said, these, the Jews, they use these words, uncircumcision, to mean impure, and circumcision to mean pure. Well, we can only identify ourselves as uncircumcision, can't we? We're impure by nature. There isn't a speck of purity in us. And fleshly outward religion can't cleanse our soul. It's fleshly. It's outward. It can only deal with the flesh. It can't reach the heart. 
It can't touch the heart. It can't touch the pollution of sin that's in us. The only way that pollution can be taken away and cleansed, there's just one way. It's the blood. The blood of Christ. Our knowledge of right doctrine won't do it. Observing the right ceremonies won't do it. It's the blood. 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 The blood that makes atonement for the soul. And if you do have a pure nature. Now by nature we're all impure. We're the uncircumcision aren't we? But what if you do have a pure nature now? Huh? You don't still have anything to brag about do you? The only reason you have it is God gave it to you. A supernatural power and work of God that he washed you in the blood of his son, caused you to be born again with a new nature, a pure nature. If you have that, the only reason you have is God gave it to you. And it's a miracle of his power and his grace. <laughs> the only thing we ever had to brag about is Christ in it. That's the only thing we had to brag about. So that's what we were by nature. Don't forget that. Don't forget what you were by nature. Number two, don't forget where you were. Where you were when God found you. Verse 12. That at that time. Ye were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. And without God in the world. Now Paul reminds us. This is where we were. When God found us. We were without Christ. I tell you there cannot be. A worse place to be than without Christ. If we're without Christ, we're without any life. We're without any hope. We're without any sacrifice. If we're without Christ, we're without a mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. If we're without Christ, we don't have a mediator. If we're without Christ, we're without any wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, or redemption. Because all those things are Christ. Not only are they in Christ, God's made those things to, to Christ to be those things. So if we're without Christ, we're damned. We're damned. If we're without Christ, we cannot be saved. We cannot. If we're without Christ, we don't have faith in Christ. And you can't have faith in somebody you don't know. <laughs> we don't have faith. And salvation comes by grace through faith. If we're without Christ, we don't love Christ. I mean, you can't love somebody you don't know. And if you don't love Christ, you don't love his people. And if you don't love his people, there's no outward evidence that, that God has saved you at all, that you know God at all, because love is the mark of the disciple of Christ. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one to another. Well, you can't have love one to another if you don't love Christ. And you can't love him if you don't know him. If we're without Christ, we don't know the way to God. We don't know how to come to God if we're without Christ. If we're without Christ, we're, we're without the way of life, without the way of peace, without the way of grace, because we don't know Christ who is the way. And if we're without Christ, we can't understand the Bible. This book is the word of life. I would say, in my childhood, 
nearly every home in the United States of America had a Bible. And I don't know if that's still, still true or not, but there's a whole lot of them. A whole lot of them. This is the word of life. But the Bible is a closed book to us. If we don't know Christ, who's the subject of the whole book. This is, this is uh, interesting. Chris told me before the service when he was in false religion, they tried to make a Sunday school teacher out and gave him a book and said, teach this. I wonder why they didn't give you this. <laughs> you know why? They don't know what it means. They don't know what it says. So we got to come up with our own thing, you know. It's a closed book to us if we're without Christ because we don't know the subject of the whole book. That's why I said, can you think of a worse condition to be in than without Christ? It's just, it's misery. It's misery. Paul says you're without Christ. He also says you're without God in the world. Now this is where we were when God found us. We're without Christ and without God. Now if we're without Christ, we can't have any acceptance with the Father, can we? Because you can only be accepted in the beloved, in Christ. And you can't be accepted if you don't know the way to God. If you don't know Christ, the way to God. If you're without Christ, you have to be without God. You have to be without the Father, don't you? Because the Father and the Son, they're one. They're one. When God found us, we're without any knowledge of who God is. Without any knowledge of how God saves sinners. We're without any knowledge of how God gives his people spiritual life. We had to be without without salvation because salvation comes from knowing God. Knowing the Father and Jesus Christ in these sins. If you're without Christ and without God, we're without any fear. Without any reverence. Without any worship of God. Without true worship. Now, you may be religious and you might be doing, you know, your Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, maybe a Thursday night or Friday night thing down there at the church building. But now, that's not worship. It's just religion. And you know what God said about that? He said, it's offensive to me. It's a smoke in my nose. If we don't know Christ, if we're without Christ and without God, we have no worship. Never worship God at all. So that's where we were when God found us. We are without Christ, without God. Paul says we were also aliens. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Again, he's not talking about just that little nation over there. He's talking about spiritual Israel. We are aliens from the commonwealth, the state of spiritual Israel. We were undocumented, illegal aliens. Had no right to be there. That's what we were. We're in our flesh. We're in our sins without faith in Christ, without love for Christ. We did not belong in the congregation of God's people. We're aliens who are shut out from the worship of God. Shut out from the fellowship of God. How can you have fellowship with God if you're without Christ? How can you have communion with with the Father if you're without the Son? And just like those Gentiles of old, you know, they could come into the outer court of the temple. But boy, they couldn't go into that inner court. They couldn't go in the door, you know. That's us, illegal aliens. We had no right to come to the altar. Christ is our altar. We have an altar, don't we? It's Christ. We're, we, we had no right to come to the altar. We had no right to claim the benefits of the sacrifice. We had no right to the blood. We had no right to the priesthood. Somebody who would represent us to God. 
Well, who's that priest? It's Christ. Christ is the great high priest. We had no right to any of those things. That's where we were when God found us. Paul says we're aliens and we're strangers. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Oh, God made plenty of promises, but we couldn't rest in any of them. We had no indication whatsoever that God had made any of those promises to us. He made them to Israel. He made them to his people. He made them to people who believe on him. See, all of God's promises, where are they? They're in Christ, aren't they? They're in Christ. Well, if we're without Christ, we can't say any of those promises belong to us, can we? All of God's promises are made to people who God has given faith in Christ. They believe Christ because God's given them faith in Christ. Well, we're without Christ. We don't believe him. So that we have absolutely no reason to think any promise in this book, promise of grace, promise of life, the promise of peace. We have no, no reason to think any of those promises of God's grace are to us. Now, we might have heard some good doctrine, some good teaching, some true things. We might have heard about God's covenant promises to his people, but we had no right to apply any of those promises to us because we're aliens. We're strangers. The only promise of God we could take to ourselves, there's one, one I could think of, is damnation for our sin. Separation from God because of our sin. That's the only promise of God I could think that we could take to ourselves, think of that we could take to ourselves by nature. And without Christ, without God, we're aliens, we're strangers. And I'm telling you, that left us hopeless. This is where we were when God found us. We were without any hope. We had no hope of eternal life because we didn't know God. Eternal life is knowing God. What? I don't have any hope, hope of eternal life. I don't have hope of anything from God because I didn't know anything about God's grace, the grace of God. I had no hope. And the only way a sinner can have a good hope is how? By grace. It's by grace. I tell you this often, this word hope means expectation. When God found us, now we did have an expectation, didn't we? But it wasn't a good hope. It wasn't a good expectation. It was an expectation of condemnation. It was an expectation of God's wrath because of our sins. We were separated from God and we did not have any hope of coming back to God. None whatsoever. That's where we were when God found us. And the only thing that we could expect, the only way we could expect this story to end is one way. Eternal separation from God. That's where we were when God found us. And don't forget that. Don't forget that. All right, now here's the third thing. Don't forget, if you're a believer, if you're an object of God's grace, don't you forget how God brought you to where you are now. He brought you to Christ by his grace. Why are you here now, this morning, instead of off in Timbuktu somewhere? Why why are you here now, instead of sitting under some false gospel? Why are you here now, instead of of sacrificing your children to Baal? If I remember this right, that that idol Baal had hands, you know, come out, and they would heat that thing up and put their infants in those hands to burn that infant up. Why aren't you doing that? Huh? God's grace. God's grace, it's the only explanation. That's what Paul says in verse 13. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, you're made nigh. You're brought to the very presence of God by the blood of Christ. See, I know we remember where we were. We remember what we were when God found us. But now, you who believe, you're in Christ Jesus. You used to be without Christ. Now you're in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ, you have absolutely every blessing God Almighty has for a sinner. Every single one of them. Because they're all in Christ. Remember that back in chapter 1 of Ephesians verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Not one missing. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where they're all in Christ. He said, Paul says in verse 4, this is a blessing you have. You're holy. You're without blame. God, who sees everything, says you're without blame. I can't find any blame in you if you're in Christ. He's made you holy without blame. Here's a blessing, verse 5. He made you children of God. Oh, to not be a child of wrath anymore, but to be a child of God. That's a blessing of God's grace, isn't it? He says in verse verse 6, if you're in Christ, you're redeemed. You're redeemed from all of your sin. You're redeemed from the price of your sin. You're redeemed from the curse of sin. You're redeemed. And your sins, oh, they're many, aren't they? They're forgiven. They're forgiven. Because Christ shed his blood to put them away. Can you think of any blessing greater than that? A blessing of God's grace. God took your sin. Took it away from you and put it on his son. The only way God could forgive your sin is by punishing Christ, his son, as your substitute. Punishing him in your place. Oh my, that's a blessing. I mean, it's just... I mean, we talk about redemption. We talk about the substitute. We talk about the sacrifice of Christ every single service, I reckon. I hope, though, that just because we that, that's set before us... All the time. That we don't ever take this for granted. This has become some commonplace to us. Our sins are forgiven. Because Christ sacrificed himself for those sins. Oh my. If you're in Christ. You can't get any more blessed. Than you are. Here this Sunday morning. That's pretty easy to say in you were all here comfortable in our, in our Sunday best and uh, pretty easy to say. How about when you're all alone? It's dark at night. You got a, uh, earlier that day, you got a diagnosis of got cancer in your body. You found out earlier that day, you're losing your job. The company has gone bankrupt and, and they're closing. And, uh, the bank where we had all our money, it failed, and we can't we can't even pay you for this last week. And you think, how can I pay my bills? How am I going to feed my family? What am I going to do? I mean, the way looks dreary. It looks bad. The diagnosis is bad, isn't it? Even then, this is something to hang on to. You cannot get any more blessed than you are right now, if you're in Christ. Even with all this other stuff going on, you can't get any more blessed than you are in Christ.
Look over Colossians chapter 2. Here's why I say you can't get any more blessed. Because if you're in Christ, you're complete. Complete. So you can't get any more blessed, can you? Colossians 2 verse 9. For in Him, in Christ, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. See, in Christ, you're complete. You can't get any better. You cannot get any better. You've been born again. You've been given a new heart. That's what Paul says here when he talks about the circumcision made without hands. Now, in false religion, and that religion of the Jews, the ceremonies and the laws and all those things, that was a circumcision made with hands. Salvation is a circumcision of the heart made without hands, made by God the Holy Spirit when He gives you a new heart. This inward work of grace makes you complete. So you can't get any more blessed than you are right now in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're justified. You don't have any sin. It's not like you don't have any sin. You don't have any sin. That new man created of God has never sinned and will never sin. And that's the way God sees you. Being justified freely by His grace. Through the redemption that's where? In Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you can't be condemned. Never. Because Christ has already been condemned for you. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. If you're in Christ, you have eternal life. If you're in Christ, you cannot be defeated. Can't be. By your sin or by anybody else's sin. Second Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. You can't be defeated if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a brand new creature. A brand new creation. A brand new man. A brand new woman. A brand new nature who's never been here before. Born of God the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now, I remember what I was, but all those old things are passed away. And behold, all things are made new. And it's a good thing, all those that I'm a new creature, that all those things are made new. As Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Nothing about the flesh matters anything. But a new creature. That's all that matters. A new creature. That's the only thing that avails anything for our souls. And that's what God, God has made you. A new creature. If you're in Christ Jesus. See, there's a big difference being in Christ, isn't there? Big difference. Without Christ, it's all bad news. Without Christ, everything is a curse. But in Christ, everything's a blessing. You were far off. 
Let's remember that's where we were when God found us. We were far off from God and trying to get further from God. The only reason we didn't get any further from God is a good shepherd came and found us where we are, where we were, and put us on his shoulder and carried us home. That's the only reason. You were far off, but not anymore. Now, Christ has made you nigh. He's made you what you weren't before. He's made you nigh. It's the very same word we um, read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He has made us righteous. Made. Made. He's made you what you were not before. You were an alien. You were a stranger. Now Christ has made you a citizen. And you know where you belong? You belong before God's throne of grace. You belong there. That's why you're accepted in the beloved. You belong there. You can come before God's throne of grace, the throne of mercy, His sovereign throne, to find grace to help in time of need, anytime you want. Because you belong there. God's made you a citizen. You belong to spiritual Israel. You belong. You're a citizen there now. Christ has come, he's translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You got a new citizenship, so you have every right to claim every covenant promise God's made to his people. You just go through this book and find any promise of grace you want, and it's yours. You can take that promise to yourself if you're in Christ, because that's what God's made you. I hope we don't forget that, don't you? Lord bless you.